Welcome to Life, Sex, and the Single Mom. I'm your host, Michelle. Welcome back to Life, Sex, and the Single Mom. I'm Michelle, and I am very excited for you guys to listen to this week's episode. It's a little long, but I promise it's worth it. I got the chance to chat with Lauren Nicole, and wow. Lauren is a 29-year-old who found herself being forced into sex work and addiction at a young age. And once I heard her story, I just could not wait for her to come on here and share it with you guys. But before I introduce Lauren, I just wanted to say that today's topic may be triggering to some. Listener discretion is advised. With that said, I'll shut the fuck up. And here's Lauren. Lauren, welcome to Life, Sex, and the Single Mom. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You are my very first guest on here. So thank you so, so much for agreeing to take the time to do this with me. So for you guys listening at home, I just want to give you a little backstory on how I met Lauren. I was on Instagram a few weeks ago and I was watching this video by, do you remember? The soft white underbelly. Yeah, it was a soft white underbelly, which is, by the way, if you guys like raw, like heartbreaking stories, that's a good page to follow. But you, Lauren, have left. I was scrolling through the comments and you had left a comment on there saying you wanted to share your story. Yeah. I, I screenshotted your, your IG. So, and I don't know why, because this is a brand new podcast and I have like a lot of ideas, right. That I'm excited mm-hmm. about. So I was obsessing over you, like, eat, like hit up this girl, DM her, DM her, like just ask her to come on the podcast. And I was like, oh, my God, it's so embarrassing. I can't do it. <laughs> no, just no. God works in mysterious ways. So he you really never know. does. <laughs> he really does. And you were so sweet and you agreed. And by the way, at this point, I had no idea what your story was about or what you mm-hmm. wanted to share, which is wild that I was like obsessing over you so much because I didn't even know there was going to be like an interesting story, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I need to talk to this girl. And I'm so grateful that you agreed to do this. Um, and I watched your TikTok and wow, all I can say is just, wow, it's a story with so much heartbreak, but also one that I think is going to induce so much hope. And I'm so excited for my listeners to hear it. Let's start from the beginning, Lauren, since your story started when you were pretty young. Tell me about your life at home while you were in elementary school and who were you living with at that time? I grew up in Washington Heights. Um with my parents you know I went to Catholic school it was it was you know when you're young you don't realize a lot of the things that you're going through until you go older and you can see it from a different perspective but just when I was younger um, there was a lot of like abuse in my household like my parents were alcoholics there was a lot of toxic you know relationship drama and stuff so I found a way to cope when I was really young and unfortunately it was through like masturbation I don't like I don't need to jump in real like dive deep so quickly but Mm -hmm. I don't know it's something that I've seen especially a lot in media how a lot of girls at a young age learn these things I was actually watching like TikTok yesterday Mm -hmm. and this girl had like an attachment that she put to her like the shower head like the tub head and Mm -hmm. everybody was like oh yeah I started doing this when I was like three four years old and I'm like what the hell that's not okay like okay but you mentioned that your first sexual experience happened when you were extremely young. Mm-hmm. You were in kindergarten, which you couldn't have been, what, like, you were, like, five years old? Yeah. 
would you mind sharing more on how that came about? Um, I, I don't actually don't even know how it started. I just remember like being in the, like, I guess the tub or whatever. And I was actually just taking a shower, doing whatever, you know, and my aunt walked in and she was like, Oh my God, no, don't do that. That's not good. And then after that, I was like, okay. Um, I remember having a conversation with my best friend in kindergarten talking about it, how I got in trouble. And she was like, Oh yeah, I do that too. And I'm like, okay, well, after that, I really don't remember much between like there and I want to say like my first I guess you want to say like my real first sexual experience which mm-hmm. was in seventh grade but yeah I, I don't remember a lot of it I just remember that was the thing back then and I was like okay cool do you so, remember like were you did you see someone doing that or was that something like you were just curious about your body because that does happen also like kids are curious sexually mm-hmm. sometimes but also, it could happen that you maybe saw something or someone maybe did something in front Honestly, of you. Honestly, I'm not 100% sure. I don't know if I saw somebody else doing it or if mm-hmm. something, like, happened to me when I was younger. But when I was doing, like, research on it, because I, I, when other people were saying that they did it too, I was like, okay. So, yeah, it's, like, a coping mechanism for kids. They find ways to self-soothe when they're dealing with, like, drama at home and stuff like that. So, I don't know if that's how it started or, like, yeah. you know, if it was something not as innocent, you know, but it was, it just came about to be like that. And that was my comfort zone, you know? Um, at such a young age, do you feel that it became an issue for you? Masturbation? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Because it became a crutch. So when I yeah. got older and it wasn't a thing, and then I got introduced to boys that became, you know, the next level, like, you know, how parents or people like to say like, marijuana is a gateway drug. Masturbation is a gateway to having actual sex. And stuff. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that led me to having physical sex and all those other things but yeah definitely at a young age especially when you can't wrap your mind around what it does to you and just how it affects you even in your more adult years even now like somebody who doesn't realize that that definitely takes a toll on them you know yeah for sure that's something I have a 13 year old son and that's something that you know we talk about now because like pornography his brain is not developed so my worry like yeah sure like Mm -hmm. eventually he has his own phone I'm sure he's probably seen some things, but mm-hmm. at that age, you that's what you picture a woman to be and what you think sex is going to be. And that's what you look yeah. for. And it becomes like such a damaging thing at that age because mm-hmm. you can't separate the two. So, yeah, that's pretty young to be like very open and sexualized. And mm-hmm. and now not only are you in kindergarten and, and you're going through all these horrible things at the age of five things don't get better for you because you're saying you're now being bullied from first to through eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lot. Do you remember where you were mentally at this point in your life? I know you were really young, but honestly, I was, I don't, I don't want to say I really like realized that then my first like incident with bullying was, I want to say in the first grade, because after I graduated kindergarten, I went to first grade, I went to a public school and they just it was literally like I was there for one day and this kid sat next to me and I don't know what he did he did something to me and me being like trying to retaliate I like scratched his hand and he's like oh I'm gonna shoot your mom in the belly my mom was pregnant with my brother so I was like um okay so then I told my mom they sent me to Catholic school but then from Catholic school like I thought it was gonna get better and it really got worse like when I was three I had an accident in Dominican Republic where I almost got like hit by a truck on some weird stuff so 
you know how the roads are not like all paved out there. It was like one of the roads is messed up. So as we're trying to cross the street to get away from this truck, I guess I tripped or something. So I have this big scar on my forehead. So I got teased for that for the entirety of like my first to eighth grade year. Like it was horrible. And kids then, are such assholes. <laughs> man. <laughs> so and then in fifth grade, it went from just me being made fun of that to me being the only girl in my class that had boobs. And then I was being made fun of for that, too, which I don't understand the correlation. But, yeah, it was just from there to literally eighth grade, like, I was teased. Like, I would walk into the classroom and everybody would be throwing spitballs at me. Like, there was a day when I remember walking into class and everybody had, like, like the pencil boxes with broken crayons. And then they were just throwing them at us. And it was, like... A lot of the kids used to do that to each other, but when it was, like, to me, it wasn't, like, a joke or, like, a prank kind of thing. It was, like, malintention. Like, it was just evil. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've had, like, brand-new jackets. Like, I remember getting a brand-new white jacket. I think it was, like, a sixth grade, and it was a South Pole jacket. I was so excited because it had, like, the fur trim around the hoodie, and I was like, oh, it's so cute. Yeah. And I sat down, and the class bully sat behind me and, like, wrote on my jacket with a blue ink so my jacket was ruined it was just a mess so like yeah oh, no. the whole first eighth grade year I was over it I was over it that's so terrible did you have somebody at home that you can talk to about that like is anybody helped or were your parents I mean I don't, really, I don't really remember I think I remember telling my parents that but um we wore uniforms and stuff so I had like the the skirt or whatever and I, I don't know how, they, I guess they put like crazy glue or something on one of the desks, like the desk that I sat on. And for some reason that seat was painted. So when I went to get up the glue and the paint from the desk stuck onto my skirt and I told my parents about it, I wore that skirt for the next three years of school. Like they didn't ever get me a new skirt. Like the skirt was like $50. Oh so no. So that's like, even more like yeah. fuel. And I had, I had like two friends at school. Like, I mean, it wasn't like that, like, every single person community bullied me like I had friends but it wasn't yeah you know it, it didn't really compare to like the stuff that I was dealing with at school but right now Lauren you mentioned earlier that in seventh grade you lost your virginity so at this point you're about 12 or 13 years old mm -hmm. um and you say something really interesting in your video you said that when you lost your virginity this was the first time that you felt you found what you were looking for what at that age especially what would you say that was um something I've noticed that even, even I guess as children even as adults something that all of us really crave is like love or attention or affection and because I felt like I wasn't getting that at home and then dealing with the stuff at school when I met this boy he was giving me all of that like you know I was getting attention he constantly wanted to see me and all this stuff and I'm like, I wasn't comprehending that that was why, you know, it was just, I was just so like absorbing everything that was happening that it felt amazing to me. I was like, I'm getting attention. I'm getting affection. I'm physical, like mental, like it was just mental, all types of stimulation. And I would just felt, I guess that like that yearning, I guess that I was looking for and trying yeah. to have that love or whatever you want to call that back then, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, and did that continue? Was that like a little boyfriend of yours at that age or? Yeah, it, it went on for a, a little while. I think I was, I was 13. It was like towards the, I want to say it was towards the end of my seventh grade year. Yeah. And I, I want to say it continued up until like eighth grade. And then I think 
either he moved or I found out he was dating some girl from like another school near me. And I, I think that's what it was. And then I just stopped talking to him. But then by that point, I was like, okay, now I'm not talking to him anymore. So now I can start talking to other people. Yeah. And the, it just like continued in like a downward spiral. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's a really common story when you become sexualized at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very, very common for sure. So that all happened in like elementary and middle school. And now you're in high school and you find yourself cutting class all the time. I imagine because that's also very relatable to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I imagine your grades are also, you know, taking a shit. Where, what are the consequences at home when all this is happening? Are there Girl. any consequences? <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell you, I was in high school. As soon as I, okay, I went from eighth grade being in Catholic school to going to a public school and high school where I was able to take the train and do whatever I wanted. And I think right. around this time, my parents were like either separating or like they were going through something that has the perfect excuse to cut school. The school did not tell my parents that I cut school until the end of the school year. So by the time that they told them the school year was already up and they were like, oh, yeah, by the way, your kid missed 65 percent of the school year. And they're oh like, excuse me, <laughs> what? You don't even like they didn't contact them. They didn't call them ever. Like wow. I never got involved with truancy or none of that. So. Wow, you got lucky, I guess. Well, unlucky, but yeah, <laughs> depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. When I was cutting class all the time, like they called my mom all the time. And I remember coming home with my book bag, like, what's up, mom? I just got home from school. Oh, yeah, right. My mom was waiting for me. Like, where were you? Because <laughs> they would, even before I got home, they would call her, like, your daughter missed this period and this period. So yeah. now, fast forward in 2011, you meet the person who will now become your first relationship and then he will eventually become your son's dad but he's also the person that will come to introduce you to drugs drug dealing and prostitution can you tell me a little bit more about that like how old were you how old was he how did you guys meet i need to know everything because that is just why <laughs> <laughs> all right so between this last part where my you know i cut school and stuff up until then i was back and forth between florida because my mom had moved to florida after she found out i cut school and was like oh yeah we're staying here because i don't feel like it's a good idea for you to be in new york because you're just you know running wild or whatever and mm-hmm. she did it in a way where she didn't even like it wasn't like, oh, hey, we're moving. It was like, I was in Miami on, like, for the summer with my cousin, and she just came down here and was like, we're staying. So I was like, um, hell no. And for, like, nine months, I battled with her until I went back to my, like, to go stay with my dad. And then it was just back and forth up until, I think it was, yeah, 2011 is when I originally met him. But at the time, um, my son's dad was actually talking to a friend of mine, or I want to say an acquaintance because we weren't really friends really afterwards i realized that but she yeah he was talking to her and you know he would like try to talk to me on the slide i'm like i'm not talking to you because you know you're talking to so-and-so so i'm not i'm not not messing with you like that's Mm -hmm. not i don't do that like yeah so after a while you know they stopped talking and whatever whatever come i want to say in summer of 2012 like he just like he kept at it and i was like okay he just keeps talking so you know what I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to just talk to him because it's not like he was ugly or nothing. And, you know, he was like, he was one of the dope boys on the block. And back then, you know, I had like this obsession with like bad boys and stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to talk to him, whatever. And that like, it went off so fast. But the time that I met him, we were actually, I was actually staying in Dykeman. And this is like 
they're having, there's like, I don't want to say a pandemic, but like this whole era of people popping perks for fun. Like, that's just what it was. Like, people was popping perks, doing lean, like, you know, this was back when rappers started rapping about it. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just do it. And once I started popping perks, I was like hooked. I was like, damn, this looks crazy. Yeah. So once I really started talking to him, like, we would pop perks and then, you know, do do and then it just ended up becoming like all right now nah, this girl i don't like it was never like officially announced and i don't think in those type of relationships that ever is but basically he was like oh yeah um like you, you're my girl now so it's just he, something that's understood like yeah because, like yeah so anytime he needed like something to like to run to the store just go meet a you know customer whatever he would be like oh hey can you go do this for me and then it just became a thing and after a couple of months of us like messing around or whatever, that first the girls started like beefing and then the dudes on the block started beefing because I didn't know he was cutting throat, which for people who don't know, like he was basically stealing the customers from the other dudes off the block who have been there the whole lives. And you don't usually do that, especially like if they're not messing with you like that. So right. they basically like ran him off and because they ran him off, I went with him and it was, it was, when I tell you it was, I don't even know what to call it, like a, a mission or just like, we went from being in a room to like, from renting a room to staying at hotels to like calling people to try to stay places. And then one day wow. he just goes, he was like, man, he, he didn't have any more like drugs or anything to sell. Like we was like broke. So this one day we're staying at a hotel. He's like, man, I don't know how we're going to pay for the hotel tomorrow. I was like, I was like, I don't know. Like, what What do you want to do? Like, we need to figure something out. I tried to call some people, get some money. Nobody wanted to send me any money because people knew that I wasn't, like, doing the right thing. Some other people, like, my best friend, she was like, oh, you could come stay with me. But I'm like, okay, if I go stay with her, that means I have to leave him. And I wasn't in that place where I was like, you know, that's the right thing to do. I was like, no, I'm going to just stay. Right. So we're staying at some rinky-dink little, like, motel in the Bronx. And I go, we go to the store because we're like, all right, we used to have some weed. We're going to go smoke. I go to the store to try to get a blunt or whatever. And the clerk like starts flirting with me. And, you know, that's, I think that's just like a typical thing in New York though. Like, you know, it is. everybody, yeah. but anyway, he was like just flirting with me and stuff. And I was like, mm, all right, I'm just trying to get my stuff and go. And my son's dad was like, He's like, oh, you like what you see? He's like, he's like, give me some money. You talk? I was like, what? I was like, excuse me? Oh, I was wow. Like, what, are you, what, like, what are you talking about? He was like, he was like, just go along with it. Just go along with it. I was like, all right, cool. And he's like, he was like, oh, yeah, you give me some money, you know, you whatever, whatever. And I was like, um, I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'm thinking that he's going to try to, like, rob him or something because he, he used to do that. Like, he, like would freaking set people up and do stuff like that too so i'm like i'm thinking he's gonna do that and i'm like all right and this is not a conversation that you guys have had before no so whatever apparently he gets the dude's number blah 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 we go back to the hotel room i was like yo what was that about he was like he was like well we gotta make some money he's interested so he's like you telling me you you wouldn't do it i was like no i wouldn't do it he's like oh but come on like you know we're not gonna do this we're gonna be homeless tomorrow and all this other stuff and i'm just like bro like I'm terrified because I don't want to be homeless, but I also don't want to be without him because it had become like an addiction at this point. I don't know if you like people for people who know who have ever been in toxic relationships, know how hard it is to like leave somebody. That's how I felt. 
Yeah. So I was like, I was like, all right, cool. So I was like, whatever, like, just, I'm going to just go, I'm going to make it quick. So the guy's like, you know, he's just talking to me. He's like, oh, so what you want to do? I was like, what do you, I was like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Like, I, like, I'm literally, I've never done this before. So I'm like, okay. I was like, how much, I was like, how much money do you have? And then he was like, oh, I, like, I got $80 or something like that. I think it was $80. And I'm like, okay. Um, so he was like, so what you want to do? And I ended up giving him like a blowjob or whatever. And, and how old are you at this point, Lauren? I was, this is 2012. So I want to say I was 18, 19. Okay. Yeah. No, I was 19. Yeah, it was 2012. So I was like, all right, cool. So whatever. He gets the condom. I give him a little ball job. I get my money. I go back to the room. I go back to the room. And mind you, we did this in like the store, like in the bodega, in the back of the bodega. And you know how they have the gates that you pull down to show the stores closed, like so people don't steal stuff. He pulled mm-hmm. the gate down. He didn't pull it down all the way, but it looked like the store was closed. So when I get back to the room, which is literally like across the street from the store, my baby there starts going crazy. Like he like ripped my clothes off, he like spit on me. He was like, oh, you dirty, you dirty mm-hmm. bitch. Like you nasty. Like how dare you fucking cheated on me? Like all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, bro. Like you told me to do this. Like he's like, where you was at? Where were you at? I was like, I was at the store. He was like, no, you wasn't because the gate was closed. Where you went? Where, where you was at? You took too long. Literally, I was like, bro, I've literally been gone for like 30 minutes. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you literally told me to do this. So I was like, bro, I can't. Like, I can't do this. I have to leave. Like, he's like, and then, you know, he guilt him. Oh, don't, don't look. Like, don't leave. Like, da, 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 all this stuff. So that was insane. Wow. And. And was he on drugs at this time or no? Was he just I acting? mean, he, the problem with him is that. I honestly, I don't know. He was the only thing I've ever known that he's done is weed, perks, and like leave. If he's up, he's never did anything else around me like that. But you know, if you've ever been on perks, you get irritated. But that it wasn't the drugs. Like it was, it was literally him. Like he was like psycho, like possessive, like super jealous. Like he was Dominican. And I'm like, I said, not, like you said, not to sound like cliche or anything, but if you've yeah. ever been with a Dominican, like they are the most like clinging, like attaching, like I don't know. It was insane. <laughs> So, yeah, that happened. And then the next day, he was like, oh, well, we got to figure out how to get moved. And I was like, listen, I was like, I'm not doing that again. I don't know. I don't know what you think this is, but I'm not I'm not doing that again. Like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. So you can, like, freak out and, like, beat me. Like, this is not this is not what we're doing. So that day I prayed. I prayed to God. I was like, God, please, like, please do something. I can't. I can't do this. I don't know, like, what to do. I'm not trying to do this anymore. Like, like I really, like, I'm, I don't want to do this again. So we were walking. I don't know where we were walking. So I think we were walking to try to just just get out of the room or something and smoke or something. Literally, as we're walking, I look down and I see a gold chain on the floor. And I was like, what? We went to the pawn shop. We got, like, $300 for it. So we paid oh, wow. for our room for the next three days. And I was like. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Yeah, it was like, thank you. So, yeah, and then between, I think for like a couple months, not even a couple months after that, for like a couple weeks, we were just like bouncing around and we went to go stay with my friend after like that week of us being able to pay for our hotel room. And then, I don't know, I think he got money from his grandma or something. And we went to go stay with one of my homegirls because she lives 
probably, she lived like on the Grand, Cor- Grand Concourse. So it was probably like 15 minutes from where we was at in the hotel. And he, like, we spent the night over there. She introduced him to her plug, which was the worst mistake she could have made. But, like, we were all just chilling, like, smoking or whatever. So she introduced him. She introduced my baby daddy to her plug. And I guess, like, they linked up or did something. And the next day, he robbed him for, like, a pound of weed and, like, took all the jewelry out of her house. So we had, like, probably, like, a pound of weed and a $1,000. And he was like, all right, well, we're going to go to Pennsylvania. And I'm like, out of, all, out of all places, like, why Pennsylvania? I don't know, but okay. And apparently it was one of, like, the old, one of his old friends from the block that where I met him at, which was actually, like, a guy I used to talk to, told them, like, oh, yeah, you should come over here to Reading. He was in Reading, PA. He's like, oh, you should come over here. Like, there ain't no good weed out here. Like, da-da-da-da, like, come out here. You can make some money. We ended up going to, we couldn't find a hotel for nothing in the world because, I don't know, they, we took, like, one of them dollar buses from New York to PA, which I think was probably, like, $30. And by the time we got there, it was like mad late at night probably like one o'clock in the morning so there was no rooms at any hotels mm-hmm. so we ended up going to this like mom and pop hotel 30 minutes outside of reading in this place called warnersville pennsylvania and we stayed there because it was 85 dollars for the week for the hotel so i stayed there while he kept going back to to reading to try to sell weed so i'd constantly call him like have you made any money yet like what's going on like he was like nah Come find out, they were really just chilling there, smoking all all the damn weed. Like, oh man. So, we paid for. I think we had paid for a couple weeks at the hotel there, and then I was like, all right, we have to figure something out because like we're running out of money. I don't know what to do. Like I said, it's a mom and pop hotel, so um, I had gotten cool with like the people who like owned the place or whatever, and me being the person that I was, I'm like. Like, I'm, first of all, I, I don't even want to say as a Hispanic, but this is a female period. I feel like we, I, we notice certain things when they're not clean or just, like, whatever. So I went up to them. I was like, yeah. hey, your, your guys' bathrooms are dirty. Like, who's cleaning them? Like, they're not doing a really good job. Like, you know, I'd do a better job. So they ended up firing the dude that was cleaning their bathroom and hired me to clean it. So it would pay for my, basically pay for my room for the week. And wow. then give me a free plate of food every night because it was, like, it was like a bed and breakfast. They had like food, like they had like a dinner, like a dining area, and then they had a bar, and then like everything. All of this is all in one. So we ended up staying there for six months, and those six months, um, we were basically I don't want to say selling drugs because we weren't really selling drugs. We were selling like crushed up freaking Tylenol and catnip like we were literally selling catnip to people as we because all these people who were staying there were like veterans or like just what like, like people yes like people who were on drugs so <laughs> we ended up set, like making money off of that and then he was like oh he's like you know you should you should try to get some more money out of them and do whatever whatever and i'm like okay so i was like if i do that you cannot like you can't be anywhere near me so the first I guess I want to say the first real client. This is the first person I like actually like had intercourse with or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he had like my baby daddy had made this, made a Craigslist post for me and like just took some pictures of me and put it on there. And this guy came and he wanted to see me for like, I don't know, it's quickie, whatever. And my baby daddy was like, oh, you got to act. You got to act like you like it. Like, you know, make noises, like whatever, whatever. I was like, okay, cool. 
So the dude comes, whatever, whatever. He's there for like 10 minutes. I'm doing exactly what my baby daddy told me to do. And I'm like fake moaning and all this stuff. And the dude leaves. Soon as the dude leaves, my baby daddy comes rushing into the room. He was like, it's like there's a smaller hallway where our room was. And there's like a shared bathroom. So he was sitting in the shared bathroom, which is directly across from our room, listening to the entire thing. Oh my gosh. He had filled up the garbage, the garbage bucket with cold water, threw the cold water on me, ripped my romper off. The same thing, basically the same thing that happened the first time was just like going crazy. I was like, bro, I was like, I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. I'm not like, first of all, I don't even want to do it. And then the fact that you're doing this after I'm doing it, like that, it don't make no sense to me. Okay. Something that he's like asking you to do. Yeah, and he was, like, super triggered. He was like, how dare you enjoy it? I was like, I didn't even, like, you told me to fake it. Like, bro, like, it wasn't even, like, legit. Like, what are you talking about? And it was just a whole mess. So for, like, six months, I basically was, like, I guess I want to say interacting with the people who lived in the building or whatever. It wasn't, like, like he wasn't there. So I was like, all right, if this is what we're going to do, you can't be nowhere near me. And I'm not, I'm not doing intercourse. I'm only like, I'm literally only going to give like blowjobs to people because I'm, first of all, it's uncomfortable for me. Like, I didn't even want to do that. And by the way, let me just say this for anybody that's listening. Everything that I did was protected. Like, I always used the condom yeah. for everything because I was like one of the biggest rules, period. But like, so I was like, all right, I'm only doing that. I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna have sex with anybody. That's just going to be what it is. And that's just that because I'm not, I'm not going to do this. So he was like, all right, cool. So I did that for, I think we were there for six months. I want to say we were there for six months. We had saved money because, like I said, we were selling drugs, quote unquote, to the people who were living there. And then I was doing that. So we ended up saving, I want to say, a couple thousand dollars. And I want to say it was like two, maybe two to three. And then, <laughs> then one day, I'm smoking a cigarette and out of nowhere, I started feeling nauseous. I was like, all right. Like, cool, whatever. And then, like, as I, like, kept smoking, I started getting, like, really nauseous. And I'm like, oh, God, I want to throw up. So one day, I, like, went to the grocery store, and I stole pregnancy tests. Like, there's, you know, the ones that come with a packet, too. Yeah. So I stole the pregnancy test. I don't remember what he was at. I think he, he was gone or somewhere. And I took the first pregnancy test, and it came out positive. And I was like, nah, this, mm-hmm. can't be, this can't be right. This can't oh, be right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. yeah. So then I took the other one and it was positive too. And I was like, oh, um, oh man. So when he came in, I was like, I showed him the test. He was like, he's like, who's the father? I was like, bro, <laughs> right now is not the time to play with me. Like, wow. I, will, I, I will, I will attack you. I said, I said, who are you talking to? First of all, I was like, don't even play with me like that because I will literally like, I will snap on both of us right now. Like, <laughs> and he was like, nah. He was like, for real? He's like, are you sure? I was like, um, I can't smoke cigarettes because I'm nauseous. And I would, you know, pop Percocet. So I was like, I can't do that because I'm nauseous. So, like, like I don't I don't know. Like, so I stopped smoking. I stopped. Like, I had only been, I don't, I don't even want to say that I was taking pills like that because it was hard for us to find them where we were at. But, like, in the beginning, I want to say, like, when we first got there, we were. But then it was, like, to a point where we weren't making any money. And then after, mm-hmm. I guess, like, three months of us being there is when we had, you know, built up our clients. So I went, we, we stayed there. I think it was probably for like two weeks after that. And I was like, okay, well, he's like, so what are you going to do? I was like, um, 
from keeping the baby? Like, obviously, like, what are you talking about? Are you sure? I was like, yeah, because I always told myself that if I ever got pregnant, I'm not having an abortion, so I'm keeping the baby. Like, that, it is what it is. And I was like, we're going to have to move because I'm going to need to be around my family and stuff. Like, he ended up going to Orlando, which is where my mom lived, and I you know, signed up for, like, whatever, the help that you get when you're pregnant and stuff, I can't even think of it anymore. Like a whatever. Medicaid kind of thing? I don't know. Well, like, yeah, like Medicaid and then um, WIC. WIC, WIC. okay. Yeah, yeah, so I signed up for all that stuff, and when I went to get my first sonogram, they were like, um, do you know how pregnant you are? I said, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what do you mean how pregnant I am? They're like, oh, yeah, you're five and a half months pregnant. I said, yeah. Excuse me? No way. I was like, excuse me, huh? And they were like, yeah, you're five and a half months pregnant. I was like, oh, okay. Um, Well, what? So, were you yeah. not getting your period? I don't even remember. I honestly think that I was, but I don't I don't even know, to be honest. Because Maybe this you weren't like, even keeping track. I mean, your life yeah, was not about keeping track yeah, of that. I was, <laughs> no, so I was like, okay. I was like, all right, cool. So, wow. yeah, we, we, we stayed there for my mom for probably like three weeks. And then we ended up getting our own place like really quickly. And he, he got introduced to some plug out there in Orlando. So he started making money like big time. And the freaking, like, the people in the neighborhood was watching him because my mom my mom and her boyfriend were, like, well, really her boyfriend was cool with all the young kids, like, in Orlando who would, like, sell weed and, like, just, just your average, like, local hood, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they peeped how he was moving and how, like, oh, damn, he just got here three weeks. He's already making, like, stacks. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm, like, he's selling an ounce of weed or something. Like, he was selling, like, freaking like pounds of weed like within three weeks of us moving here it was like they were watching that and they didn't like that so literally after like two weeks of us staying in our place we got like they broke into our place and tied us up and robbed us my job oh my god i'm like eight months pregnant now and was it like so yeah seven eight months pregnant by the time so yeah that happened and i was like all right cool so he was like i'm not staying here no more he ended up like dipping out we went to freaking miami and stayed there for until I gave birth to my son. And then I was like, all right, if you want to be with me, you have to get your life together. If you out here, you got warrants. You don't want to get a real job. Like, I'm not dealing with this no more. Like, I have a kid now. Like, so you yeah. got to get your life together. Like, this is not what it is. It's a so, whole different game once the baby comes in. Yeah, so I wanted to stay with my grandma and then back in that, in the place where, like, my mom had first moved us to Florida or whatever. And... He went up north to go turn himself in, which he didn't turn himself in right away. He went to go, like, he ended up staying with some girl for, like, six months, and then he turned himself in, and then he wow. was only, he was literally only in jail for, like, a month, and he was terrified that he was going to be in there for, like, a year or longer, and I guess it was because it had, like, so much time had passed, they didn't even really care anymore, but mm-hmm. he went to jail, whatever, he came out and moved to Jersey. I was with him for probably, I want to say two more years after that because when I think yeah I think when I left him my son my son was about three years old so that's another part of your story that's so crazy like you mentioned it's Christmas night 2015 you Mm -hmm. take your son in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. and you escape your Mm -hmm. son's father Mm -hmm. and at this point though you are also addicted to Mm -hmm. yourself right yeah yeah because it got to a point where, like, I was so disgusted by him 
like because he had been cheating on me he was like physically abusing me he was verbally abusing me mm-hmm. and I had my job we had an apartment we lost our apartment because he wasn't doing what he had to do he was literally just doing whatever he wanted so um yeah that was your was, breaking point that was just like yeah but see, anymore, yeah it got to the point where because I was so disgusted by him I didn't want to have sex with him like I was like I'm not like I'm not sleeping with you none of that stuff so he was like, oh, if, like, he he would have been, like, feeding me perks or whatever. Because after I had my son, I had a C-section. So when you have a C-section, they give you, they give you Percocet. Yeah. So not realizing that before I had my son, I was already, like, starting to get addicted to them, obviously. So after I had my son and, you know, we went through that whole thing of splitting up for a year after my son was born. I went through, like, a major, like, postpartum depression. So I was, like, addicted to the pills and then it was, like, to the point where I was, like, even taking them from my aunt because my aunt's husband has, like, he gets, like, he got them prescribed monthly or whatever. So I would, like, go in and steal from them, and then I stopped using them. Then when I got back to Jersey and I was with him, he was selling them, and he would give them to me. So then it got to a point where I was, like, really, like, hooked on them. Like, I literally, I couldn't wake up in the morning or do anything because... I was feeling like I was literally dying. So it got to a point where he was like, oh, you know, if you if you do this, I'll give you a perk if you do that. Because he didn't want he didn't want to just give them to me anymore. He was like not starting to like make it transactional. Because so, he knew at this point that you were already too far gone, that you mm-hmm. needed it. Wow. Yeah. And he already knew that I wasn't I wasn't messing with him anymore. So he saw it as like, okay, this is this is like it works out for me. So the night that I left him, he actually hit me with that. He was like, oh. He was like, I'll give you some perks if you, you know, do whatever, whatever. I was like, all right, cool. Go take a shower, like, go get ready. By the time you come out, I'll be ready. He went into the shower. We had about $500 saved up. We were staying at a hotel. My son was staying with his aunt probably about 30 minutes away because we were staying in, like, Bergen County, like, Hackensack, New Jersey. And they were he was staying, like, 30 minutes away, a little bit more north of New Jersey. So I had already told him, you know, I'm leaving. Like, I'm not doing this no more. Like, I got to be done with it, whatever. So... When that happened, yeah, he went for a shower. We had $500. He took half of it. My stuff was already in the trunk of the car, which I don't even know how he didn't realize that because usually I have my stuff, like, in the hotel room. Yeah. So all my stuff was already packed. So when he got in the shower, I just dipped. And as soon as he came out, he was calling me. He was like, what are you doing? He was like, no, don't do this. He was like, but I love you. And da 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 just, no, feeding all the stuff. And I'm just like, yeah. I was like, bro, I can't anymore. Like, my son does not need this I don't need this like I'm just trying to live a better life for him so that way he doesn't have to deal with the, like the things that I want to I don't ever want him to feel the way that I felt growing up you know not having that affection if you don't want to be a part of his life you don't want to get your stuff together that's cool but that's, it's not gonna be me yeah so yeah then I left him wow before the Christmas morning in 2015 Wow, good for you. I think that in your story, that was like a really impactful moment because I feel like that's the moment that you realize. I feel like it's the moment in your story where you're starting to realize that you want better. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it doesn't come uh, so easy because no, three it months after you leave him, you find yourself in another not so great relationship with someone who is also addicted mm-hmm. to drugs and introduces you now to even more drugs mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that how did that come about so when i moved down there my family already knew that i was like addicted to pills and stuff like that obviously it wasn't something that was like hidden so when i moved down there i was already i was already like going through withdrawals like i was sick 
and I had this one cousin that my whole family it was like oh stay away from her because you know she she, she does that you trying to get better that's not somebody you want to be around because she sells drugs she does stuff whatever I was like I was like you're right mind you they didn't realize that they weren't leading me away from her they were literally like putting me on so I was like okay cool so once it got to that point I think it had been like two days where I was I was like I can't do this anymore I literally felt like I was dying so I hit her up and I was like hey like I heard blah, 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 whatever. Like, I'm sick. Can you help me? She was like, yeah, come through. She literally lived like 10 minutes away from where my mom lived. Because by this time, my mom was staying in this place called, it's called Citrus Springs, Florida. But she literally lived like 10 minutes away. So I got in the car. I told my mom, I was like, I'll be right back. And by the way, I just want to say, like, my mom knew everything. Like, my mom, I didn't ever hide anything from my mom. Like, she knew everything. I told her, I was like, hey, I'm going to go see her because I'm feeling sick. I don't need her. She was like... She was like, girl, she's like, I wouldn't do that. But like, she, my mom was just one of those people like, okay, just like get it over with type, you know? So okay. I, I went over there and after that, like me and her just like really linked up. This was around, I want to say it was like around income tax time. So I didn't really have any money. So like, I just kept getting stuff off of her and I told her, I was like, you know, when I get my income tax, I'm going to pay you, cool, whatever, whatever. I didn't realize, you know, she had been taking advantage of me because she was like, oh, well, if you take me here, I'll give you this. You take me there, I'll give you that. And then it started spiraling. Like, it got to the point where, okay, we couldn't find pills no more. So I started using heroin. And then once we couldn't use, like, no, we went from pills to a different type of pill, Dilaudid. But she told me the only way to, like, actually get high off of them is to shoot them up. So we started doing that. After we ran out of finding those, then we started doing heroin, and then it just became this really, 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 like, bad. It was just, it was really bad. Yeah. Um, so one night, me and her was all, like, Walmart or whatever, and we went to go get snacks, and we had the kids with us. And as we were, like, going down the aisles, I guess one of her friends, like, her friends worked there, because she knew everybody in town. This town was, like, Danella, and it's not, it's really not a big town, so everybody really knows each other and stuff. Mm-hmm. So her friend was working at Walmart. He was, like, stocking stuff or whatever. And, you know, like, have you ever just, like, looked at somebody and, like, you look at them and you're, like, I could see everything he was thinking, just the way that he looked at me. Like, he looked at me up and down. And, like, I could literally read his mind of how he was, like, what yeah. he was processing in his head. So I was, yeah. like, and I looked at him and I was, like, ooh, he's fine. Like, he's, really, <laughs> he's really attractive. They literally left work, like, in the middle of their shift to come back to the house and, like, chill with us. And me and him, like, literally hit it off instantly, like, instantly. Wow. And I didn't realize, you know, I'm, I've never been one of those people, like, oh, I'm going to get to know somebody and then be in a relationship with them. It was always like, oh, once we do the do, like, we're in a relationship and that's just what it is now. Apparently. Girl, like, same, same. So, <laughs> I'm trying to change that now, though. <laughs> listen, so we, yeah, we hit it off, like, instantly. And then... You know, I didn't know that he was, like, an undercover, like, cokehead, like, really bad. Like, not just, like, you know, sometimes here, but, like, no, every single day, like, all day long, like, he was, like, using drugs. And he was very narcissistic. I didn't know what that was until last year, so, (laughs) okay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he was basically, that was a really short-lived relationship. It was, like, a year and a half. But he was, you know, he was also abusive. He was also on drugs. He was very manipulative. And... Once I was in the relationship with him, things got really ugly between me and him and my mom. I had stopped using, I had decided to quit like um, heroin, like cold turkey because it was making me sick. 
because you know this is around the time I think I want to say fentanyl started coming around or people started knowing about it whatever so I started like wanting to quit it so I quit cold turkey I was like I'm not gonna use this anymore so I lost my job like I had a really good job I was working at a bank like I was making good money like I had a car all this stuff my car got repoed I lost my job like I was like okay well I'm sick I'm gonna just not do these drugs so for like two three weeks I was just in bed like dying man and whole time he was like just doing detoxing his, that whole time yeah i was yeah. detoxing the whole time and he was there for me in a weird way because he was like he's like you know i got you like i'm gonna be here for you i'm gonna take care of you but like, he was also like cheating on me and like doing some real really unattractive stuff so yeah. we broke up a lot like we broke up a lot got back together a lot and then there was an incident where i got really drunk because my mom was still still kind of an alcoholic and when I was detoxing, me and him had broken up or whatever because I found out he was cheating on me. And she was like, oh, here. Like, she gave me a bottle of vodka, like, just plain up, straight old vodka. I was like, here. He was like, drink this. It'll make you feel better. So when I tell you I got pissy drunk, like pissy drunk, and I was like, I'm going to go see him. I need to go see him. Like, I can't believe this. Like, our breakup was like some, like, it was ratchet. Like, I threw all his clothes in the front yard. Like, it was horrible. So I was like, I need to go see him. Like, I was delusional. And yeah. she was like, you're not going anywhere. I was like, I don't know who you think you're talking to. Mind you, I had lost my car. So I went to go sit in the driver's seat of her car. And she was drunk, too. So she tried to pull me out of the car by my hair. And I was like, oh. I'm oh, man. In my so brain, intoxicated people. It wasn't processing that she was my mom. So when she pulled me out of the car and she got in the car, I, the last thing I remember was grabbing her by her hair and punching her in her face. And then I woke up in my bed. Like, I don't know how long, I don't know how much time had passed. I woke up in my bed. The police came and arrested me. Thus began the spiral of my case with the Department of Children and Families because my son was in the house. Right. So, and he witnessed that. Yeah. That snuggle with your mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I had another incident. I want to say this was, this was in June. 2016 that that happened june or july 2016 that that whole like fight whatever happened Mm -hmm. and then in march of 2017 him and i heard like getting back together and i don't know what happened i think i was drunk i think i think it was literally like the same exact situation like i wanted to go see him and my mom was like oh no you're not gonna go see him so we ended up getting into another fight but this time since DCF was already involved, they, like, physically took my son out of my household. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't in foster care. Like, my grandmother took him and stuff. But it was just like, all right, cool. So I stayed in jail. I think I was in jail for, like, five days. Mm-hmm. And then I was bailed out. And when I got – no, that was the first time. The first time I got bailed out, he came and picked me up. The second time, I was only in jail for a day. And, yeah, that was – it was whatever. They – I guess they tried to put me like on probation or something, and I was like, I'm not doing that because like uh, this time I'm smoking, I'm doing whatever, so I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. Um, and this time you're already without your son. They already took your son. Mm-hmm. And at at this point, are you still with that guy, or were you guys already broken up? We had we were like I so said, we were like off and on a lot. So like we would break up, but then. It was, like, toxic. Like, we weren't even, like, I wouldn't say we would get back in a relationship. We would basically just meet up to have sex. And then it was just, like, like that kept happening a lot. 
say along your story, you said that you then, I guess, after things ended bad with this guy, right? Because you mentioned that you were raped. Yeah, he, okay. So during this like situation of our relationship, we were staying at this place. Um, and it was like, it was the most random thing ever. Like it was a big, big old, like six bedroom, like mansion in like the nicest part of Florida, like in that area. And it was somebody that he used to work with that was letting us stay there. But like, this was around income tax time. So this was in like, I think this was in February of 2017. So before I got arrested the second time. And um, I found out he was cheating on me again by like with some girl her name was also lauren because i posted like we were staying there whatever so i posted like this picture of a collage that i like an actual collage that i posted on our walls like pictures of me and him and our kids or whatever and i took a picture of it and i posted on facebook and this girl dms me she's like oh you could keep blah 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 and his cheating lying behind whatever i was like um what is this <laughs> when i found this out i was like drinking a lot i had been drinking a lot so it was one night where the ladies came over and she was like, hey, you want to have a drink? Like, whatever, whatever. And I didn't think anything of it because I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, she likes to drink. She, she knows that we drink or whatever. So I had a drink with her. And I don't remember, like, really anything after that. Like, I blacked out. And the next morning I woke up and I was in the hospital. And they told me that my blood alcohol level was through the roof. I had, like, some sleeping pills on my system. I didn't take sleeping pills. So I was like, what the hell? Like, okay. So I was like, well, all right, so we have to move out at this point because, like, some weird stuff happened. We had only not even been there for, like, a month. And she was like, oh, yeah, somebody's buying the house, so you guys have to move out. Huh. I was like, okay, cool, um, whatever. So the next day I was like, I just, after I got out of the hospital, I was like, I'm just going to go pack my stuff and then dip. And I was having a drink, and she was, then I think I came out of the room, and she was, I noticed she was in the kitchen. And she's like, oh, she's like, let's go to the liquor store, blah, 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 whatever. I was like, okay, cool. I don't know why. I guess, I, like, just somebody who's on drugs or, like, you're not thinking, like, oh, that's a bad idea. You're just like, oh, yeah, let's go drink. You're just down for whatever, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to the liquor store. We came back. I had a drink. The next, same exact thing happened. The next day I woke up in the hospital, and they're like, all right, something's going on. Like, I don't know what's, like, what's happening, but they called the ambulance because they said you were passed out and you weren't comprehensive, like, you weren't talking back. I was like, um, yeah, because if I'm drunk and I'm sleeping, why the hell would you try to talk to me? But, yeah. okay, whatever. This this passes. When I went back to that, I, my phone was gone, my laptop was gone, all the clothes that I had just bought my son and his son, because his, son his sons were, like, the same age as my son, mm -hmm. like, all that stuff was gone, so I wow. I didn't talk to him because I already knew it was him. I didn't talk to him for a while after that. But then I think it was in yeah March or whatever when this situation happened where I got arrested. Afterward, I was staying in like this trap house, like it was really like a trap house with my mom because she was renting a room there, mm -hmm. and it was just a whole mess. But we were staying at this place, and I. I, like it started clicking to me like all this stuff started piecing together I was like yo that was a setup like he was I'm pro I'm pretty sure the money that we gave this lady to stay at her place like she she never got it I'm pretty sure he kept the money like I'm pretty sure it was all just like a ruse because I found out that he was like messing with her too like it was some weird like I don't even know but then I like I called her and I was like oh I was like so it was like you like you were involved with him like like she was like oh well like 
like basically like trying to avoid the topics. I was like, so he's like, so he never gave you the money. And she was like, um, you know, trying to avoid the conversation. Wow. So he was so, paying her in other ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then I talked to him and I was like, yo, that's crazy. Like if all you wanted was the money, like you could have told me that. Like, I don't know. I'm dumb, dumb me. I'm like, yeah, I would have given you some money, like blah, 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 whatever. I was like, you could have just told me that. Like you didn't have to do all that. And then he told me, he's like, well, he was like, because we had, at first, when we first got together, the sex was great. Like, we were always having sex. And then during around this time, after I found out he had been cheating on me, like, he was withholding, like, he wouldn't, we wouldn't have sex as much. So during, around that time, when we were staying at that place, we weren't having a lot of sex. And he was like, he was like, I just want to let you know that that night, that from that first night that that happened, he was like, I just want to let you know that, you know, I, like, I fucked you and all this other stuff. And I was like, Oh wow! What? I was like, so you're telling me when I was passed out, unconscious, you, so it was like you raped me. He was like, he was like, nah, I wouldn't say that. Like, I was like, bro, you wouldn't have sex wow. with me while I was conscious, but you had sex with me while I was passed out. Make it make sense? Like, what? And he like after that, I never talked to him again. Oh, so good for you. Like, Ugh. I was like, oh. that is so sick and insane. Yeah, like that was crazy. I was like, how do you? Uh, first of all, how do you? How do you do that? First of all, the second of all, how do you admit that to somebody? Yeah, like, to admit it. Well, thankfully he admitted it because that needs to be the final straw mm, for that fucking loser. Mm, but unfortunately, bold. it doesn't stop there, Lauren. <laughs> no, the three is the magic number. Right? Three is the magic number, right? So here we go. You leave him. You go on to meet what would now be your last abuser because no fucking more. No mm-mm, more. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> so you get with him and then during this time, after a while, you lose your job and then everything starts, it seems to start going downhill for you. Mm-hmm. You guys start having money issues and in the most manipulative way, might I add, by mm-hmm. looking at your TikTok story, he suggests prostitution mm-hmm. by telling you, oh, hey, I used to be a pimp, and the women I used to be with before used to work for me, which is, by the way, textbook narcissist- narcissistic mm-hmm. behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, like, these exploitative mm-hmm. relationships and their need to benefit in some way from the yeah. person, or else they become, like, of zero ba- value is textbook. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately when you're in it it's almost impossible to see it especially when you're also dealing with like self-worth issues and addiction Mm -hmm. and all that that comes Mm -hmm. with and it seems like unfortunately it works that manipulation works on you lauren because he planted that seed in your head yeah is that accurate to say that yeah i mean absolutely because back then if you were the type of person i mean even to a point now, now I'm very aware of narcissism and stuff like that. But when you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to be like, it's a challenge. Like, exactly. So he basically like told me that he was like, oh, I, he was like, I don't think this life is for you. Like just to get into the gist of how this little situation started before I really tell the story. Yeah. Um, after I left homeboy number two, Mm-hmm. Uh, call mistake number two, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> I don't want to say, say they're mistakes because I, I learned lessons. They're lessons, home. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the, after I left him, I went to jail for two months. And I, I just want to say that in between when I left him and what was it, March to June, it was no, actually, it was like from April to June. It was two months when I was staying at this place with my mom. I was, I was on crack. 
when I say crack, like literal crack, like I mean like crack cocaine, you put it in a pipe and smoke it, crack what? cocaine. Yeah. Wow. Because when we're staying at this place, I, after I had got out of jail, whatever, I went to stay with my grandmother because my, my grandmother was like, you and your mom can't be around each other. I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but then my grandmother's, you know, strict and she's like, oh, well, you can't do this. You can't do that. I wasn't ready to stop drinking. I wasn't at that point yet. So I was really drunk one night and I decided to walk over to where my mom was staying, which was like a 15 minute walk. And because she had more alcohol, I was like, I'm trying to get lit. Like, what's what? So I went over there to this place and I'm already, I'm already pissed and drunk, pissed and drunk. And then I started drinking some more. And then the people in the house, like, started smoking crack. And I was like, I was like, what is that? And they're like, oh, crack. I was like, well, I was like, you know, I've done coke before, but I don't like coke because it makes my nose drip. Like, I don't, I don't like that feeling. And like, oh, well, you wouldn't have that problem with this. And I was like, okay. Well, not that problem, but <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay. So I, I freaking tried it. And for two months, like two months, I was addicted to crack cocaine. Like I lost like 60 pounds because I wasn't eating. Like it was insane. As soon as you smoke, it was like an intense, crazy feeling. And I got hooked really quick. So I was on it for wow. two months. And, you know, I had my little breakthrough and I was like, okay, well, this is wrong. I like whenever it got to the point where I wasn't, able to smoke as much anymore because when I first got there I was like smoking a lot because everybody was like trying to hook me up but then once they see you're like full-blown crackhead they're like okay well I'm not you know I'm not helping you anymore I'm just not gonna hook you up whatever so it got to a point where I wasn't always high and when I wasn't high I was literally crying like I was like crying off the hook so I did what I usually do when things don't go my way and I start crying and I started praying and I said God please help me like I need to get out of this and I could you not the next day i got a call from my grandmother said oh the police are here in my house looking for you they said you have a warrant because you weren't doing your probation or whatever and i guess i was supposed to go to court mm -hmm. and they had sent her a letter and she's like oh i gave the letter to your mom for her to give it to you and honestly my mom said that she didn't do it on purpose but i look he thinks she did withhold the letter from me because they i never got the letter she said mm -hmm. she forgot but i feel like she did it on purpose and at first, I was really pissed because I'm like, why would you do that? But then I, I was eternally grateful because I'm like, okay, me not receiving that letter meant I was able to go to jail for two months and I got clean. So for a year after I got out of jail, I was sober. I ended up getting with my own apartment. I got my son back. Like, everything was going good. And then, yeah, it was Halloween night in 2018. I met this dude. And we were talking on, on Facebook. He had been messaging me, like, before but I always like curved him because he was sending me like memes and like corny pickup lines. And I was like, I'm not like, I'm not, <laughs> but this was around the time and no disrespect to the city girls, but like, this was around the time the city girls came out. So like everything was about, oh, you know, sleeping with men, trying to get some money and doing this. So I was like, yeah, it was on some whole other stuff, like posting crazy on Facebook, constantly talking about sex and just, this like a thing that in the area that we lived at that people was like a competition so who could be the sexiest who had the most bodies i don't know why but that's just what it was mm -hmm. and so you know i would post things on there and all this stuff so then one night one night he posts something he was like oh a girl who got you know her own car house and whatever got her stuff together that's a unicorn so me being the person i am because <laughs> i was i was so hyped to have my own place and have my own thing i was boasting Mm -hmm. And I commented on this thing. I was like, oh, I'm the unicorn you've been looking for. Like, yeah. Okay. So then he DMs me and he's like, he's like, oh, so what's up? Like, da -da -da -da. we start talking. 
this was like I said Halloween night, so I was lit. We ended up like video chatting the whole night, and then the next day I went to go pick him up, which should have been a red flag because why am I going to pick you up? But I digress. <laughs> so I went to go pick him up. He came back to my house, and we had sex, and that was it. That was literally it. So for like, um, I want to say it was a couple months after that, everything was going good. Like I said, I had my son back. My case was gonna my my case was gonna close and I was officially gonna have like my son bag with no like DCF involved, no nothing. On that fact, December twenty-sixth. So the day after Christmas. A month after I met him, the same exact situation happened again. My mom was staying with me, excuse me, which I didn't want her to stay with me because I'm like, me and her don't get along. She's drinking. I don't trust her, like I don't know. Some people have this, this situation where they have their moms who are constantly in competition with them. And yeah. that was the issue with me and my mom, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know why. And, you know, I forgave her and everything, and I don't hold anything against her. But back then, like, it was a thing. Like, she was constantly in competition. I had a car at the house. She wanted a house. I had a car. She wanted a car. Like, I, I was going to school. She wanted to go to school. Like, all types of stuff. Huh. So, um, she was staying with me. And... I was, I told him because my ex had tried to talk to my mom, the second dude or whatever, he tried to talk to my mom. I was like, like, so I told this dude, um, I was like, listen, if you ever try to talk to my mother, if you ever come at her any type of way, I will personally, like, I will kill you. Like, I will break up with you. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say, but if you do it, like, it's it's done. Like, I'm not, I'm not messing with you. He's like, nah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do something like that, whatever. So me and him ended up breaking up. Mind you, our agreement was to have an open relationship because I said, you know, I've been cheated on. I don't want to be cheated on. Like, just keep it real with me. I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm going to do what I do. You do what you do. I don't care. Just don't lie to me. Like, we'll be fine. Found out he was, like, I guess So let me ask you this before you continue, Lauren. (laughs) Yeah. When you say you told him you want an open relationship, is that something that you truly, really wanted? Or was that, like, your way of taking back that power where now he can't cheat on you? Exactly. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. That was me settling and being like, it is what it is. I'm going to get cheated on anyway. So I might as well, you know, just get with the program. So, yeah. and after like me seeing the type of person that he was on social media, I already knew that's who he was. So, I was, you know, I was like, let's just keep it open. Like, do what you do. I don't care. Just don't lie to me. We come first. Like, don't disrespect the household. That's what it is. Like, okay. And I don't know how that makes sense because I feel like if you're going outside of your household, you're disrespecting automatically. But, you know, it, it, back then, in the way my mind processed, it made sense. So I, like, went through his phone one night. And I don't know what possessed me to go through his phone because I already knew there was stuff I didn't want to see on there. But, like, I don't know. I forgot what it was. It was just something I saw. And I was like, oh, because he, the night he wouldn't be there, he would, like, tell me, oh, yeah, I'm going to go chill with my boys or, like, something and I seen like every single night he was with some different girl. I was like, damn! I didn't wow. know it was like this. Like every single night, a different girl. I was like, I was I because honestly, when I first saw him, I didn't think he was attractive. So I was like, ain't no way he's gonna like get that many girls. Like, nah. The and ugly ones are the sneaky ones. They got charm. Girl, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, get out, get out of my house. Don't talk to me. Like it's a dub for you. Like just leave. Like it's done. And the yeah, this was probably like I want to say like three weeks after we started talking. Then that same month, I want to say it was I think it was November or like a couple of weeks before my case was gonna close. 
I was really drunk. I wanted to go see, um, no, yeah, I was really drunk. I wanted to go see him. And my mom was like, no, like, you're not going to go over there. You're not going to see him. And I was like, no, what is good with you? Like, why are you going to keep trying to tell me what I can and cannot do? You do whatever you want. You staying in my house. Like, you're not giving me no rules. Like, I was just, like, spazzing out on her. And so she, I don't remember what happened, but I think she went to, like, try to go call the police. So I grabbed her phone and I smashed her phone and then we ended up getting into a fight. And because my son was in the house, he ran across the street to um, my neighbor's house where he like hung out with their kids or whatever. And I guess he told them, you know, we're fighting and they called the police and he was taken. I wasn't arrested. She like went to, I guess she ended up going to like a domestic violence shelter and he, my son was removed from my house permanently. And they were like, that's it. Like, we're not, we're not, they didn't close my case or like tell me that I couldn't get him back, but they were just like, not like I was literally like a month from my case closing and then they took him so I went through like a real bad like spiral I was drinking every single day I was smoking I wasn't doing any pills or anything then but he was like comforting me he was like oh like I'll be there for you like that's so messed up that's when they thrive by the way those narcissists it's like when you're down that's when they thrive yeah like now is that I got her (laughs) so yeah we uh um, after I lost my son, we were in our relationship, whatever. I ended up losing my job. Um, I ended up that April. So, like, everything just went down at the same time. And he he had told me, I guess, like, I want to say, like, somewhat earlier in the relationship, probably, like, I don't know, maybe January or February, that he was, like, he was talking to one of his friends on the phone, and his friend was a pimp, and he was like, oh, yeah, he was like, He's like, I have pimp, but I'm just not on the road right now because he had probation, so he couldn't leave the state. So he was like, I haven't been, I haven't been on the road because you know I'm on probation and stuff, whatever. But he was like talking to me about his like his ex girl. He was like, Oh yeah, she used to work for me. She used to make mad money. Like he was basically just praising her. And I'm like, How are you literally sitting here in this room with me praising this girl? Like yeah. when I'm sitting right here, like that's mad disrespectful. And he was like, Oh, I'm not gonna talk to her because I don't want you to feel no type of way. So he claims he cut her off. Like, she was calling him from jail. Because I guess she went to jail for some stuff that, whatever they did. She was in jail. She was calling him. And he wouldn't answer the phone because he said he wasn't trying to hurt my feelings. And I'm like, I was like, no. I was like, don't do that. If she's in jail because she took blame for something that she did, then go by all means talk to her. You already told me what it is. And I'm not. He was like, because you would never compare to them. Like, he was talking about her and one other ex-girlfriend. He was like, it don't matter what you do, like. She was there when my mom passed away and all this other stuff and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, you can't, you can't compete. Like, you'll never be them. And I was like, bro, like, what? I was yeah. like, okay. So then he kept going on talking about this pimping situation and all this other stuff. This, at this point, I was, like, going above and beyond. Because we worked, we ended up getting a job at the same place. Well, I had worked this place. And then I told him to apply for it. So he got the job there, too. But I worked, like the midday shift from like 2 to 10 p.m. and then he worked the nighttime shift from 9 to 5 in the morning whatever so the dude because it was like the, the place that I worked it was random it was like a glass factory so it was nothing but dudes in there because we were literally working in a warehouse it's like nothing but dudes I'm probably one out of the three girls that works there and you know especially in Florida like there's not a lot of, I don't want to say, at least in the area that we live in, there wasn't a lot of other Hispanic females. It was mostly, like, African-American and, like, white people. So I got a lot of attention, but I never really paid attention because I was so obsessed over him. I was like, I don't care. But then once he started doing that, I was like, oh, no. Nah. I was like, 
you want to make me feel stupid, I'm going to make you look stupid. So I started sleeping with dudes at work. And they would they would talk about him. They would, like, make fun of him behind his back. Like, there was this one dude that I was talking to who had become, I want to say, like, my regular, like, little boo or whatever at work. And, like, they would always give each other, each other death stares. And he was like, oh, I'm going to fight him. I'm like, why do you want to fight him? Like, you have a whole girlfriend and we shouldn't even be talking. Like, whatever. So after I had lost my job, he was like, well, he started talking about, like, the pimping and stuff. And I told him, he was like, oh, well, he probably couldn't do it. So I told him, I'm like, listen, my, like, my baby daddy used to make me do it. So I kind of know what I'm doing. Like a dummy. I don't know why I said that. But I basically gave him all his ammo, like everything he needed. And I was like, yeah, my baby daddy used to make me do it. So I was like, I know what I'm doing. And he was like, he's like, nah, I don't think cut off you. Like, you wouldn't make money. I was like, so what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say I'm ugly? Like, game? Like, what are you talking about? And he yeah. was like, nah, I just, I just don't think it's for you. I was like, well, I was like, let's try. Mind you, side note real quick. At this time, I had had like two sugar daddies. And oh, my gosh. The sh- <laughs> this is the craziest part about it though. The craziest part is that my sugar daddy, the first sugar daddy that I had was my baby daddy's stepfather. What? Yeah. <laughs> Here yeah, I am trying to find one and you had two. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, don't do it. Don't. Um yeah, my baby daddy's um stepfather had messaged me because this is when I was staying in my apartment and honestly this was like I was at a time where I was like struggling to pay my rent and stuff. So he had hit me up and he was like, Oh, hey, he was like, How are you? And how is your son? And I was like, I was like, I was like, Oh, we're good. Like, you know, I could be doing better. Like, it would be nice if, you know, so and so my baby daddy helped me and whatever. But I mean, it is what it is. I, I, you know, I hold it down. I take care of my son, all this stuff. And he was like, He was like, Well, he was like, If you ever try to make some more money, just let me know. I'll fly you out to New York. I was like, Oh, word. Okay. Oh, wow. But that next day, that next day, the very next day, because my mom was staying with me, I was like, Mom, I was like, stay with, stay with my son. Um, I'll be back off and going. She was like, what? I was like, here. I gave her some money because he had cash at me, like $700. So I was like, here, take $200, leave me alone. Like, whatever, I'll be back. I'll be back in two days. So I went up there. Uh, like, I spent the night with him. I think I came back that next, like, Monday. I think it was, like, a Friday. I came back Monday. And... So whatever, he used to send me money and then he introduced me to his friend because his friend was interested in like, I guess like the first sugar baby or whatever too. And his friend used to send me more money, like just for no reason. So I started like, he, the first one, his stepfather was getting cheap. So I was like, I cut him off. So then the other one was helping me, whatever. So anyways, dude, um, dude number three knew about this. He knew that I had sugar daddies. So he was like, all right, so. He took the piece. Oh, you got sugar daddies. Oh, so you used to do this with your baby daddy. And I used to do this. So, you know, he would throw that stuff in there. So yeah. then, you know, when I lost my job and all that stuff, I was like, all right, well, I need to figure something out. Like, I was like, he was like, oh, well, I got, I got people that can send me some money. Like, he'll have girls that just randomly send them money for what I don't know, but whatever. And then I was like, well. I was like, well, maybe we should, I was like, you're almost done with probation, maybe we should get on the road or whatever, and he was like, nah, he was like, he was like, nah, I don't, I don't think you, I don't think you can do it, I don't think you're cut off yet, I don't think you should do that, and I was like, just let me, like, let me prove myself to you, because you over here talking about me, and you don't even know what I'm capable of, like, I don't know why you keep doubting me, like, don't do that, so, little did I know that's exactly what he wanted, I didn't know, like, he was playing me, like, manipulating me the whole time, I thought he was really, like, 
no, yeah, because no, now no. it's your idea. Like, yeah, exactly. Hey, I love you. <laughs> CYA, right? Cover your ass, whatever. So that's what he was trying to do, cover himself. And I'm just like, well, let's just go, whatever, whatever. And then he finally, like, we went to Tampa, which was like an hour and a half from where we were staying. We went to Tampa. And he, like, made, I guess, like, like he posted me on websites and stuff. And that first night that we were there, in like two hours, I made $700. And I was like, see, I told you. He literally looked at me like, wow. He's like, like, I honestly think that to an extent, he really didn't think I could do it. Like, he thought I couldn't do it, but he didn't think I could do it like that. So he was yeah. like, because from what I've been told about the like the people that he was dating, they were weren't moving like that or they weren't making money like that. And I was like, I was like, see, I told you. The next day, I made another thousand dollars, and I was like, holy crap! Like, I was like, all right, so look, this is the plan. We're just gonna make some money so I can get my apartment and get my son back because that's all I want to do. Like, I'm not trying to do this or whatever. He was like, he was like, all right, cool. The lies, the lies, the lies yeah. that I heard. So one like one goal became a different goal and then he started getting other girls involved and then we met up with his friend that he used to talk to on the phone when he was at my house and we used to all travel together and one thing led to another and I used to make between 1500 to $3,000 a night and I became addicted to it and I was wow. like now now you can't tell me anything I was making more money than the girls that he was like his his homeboys were around or like whatever and everybody was like looking at me like, how is she doing that? Because first of all, I'm chunky. None of the other girls I was around were chunky. Like, they didn't have like no weight on them. They were all white girls. So, and the industry, like the sex industry, white girls are like sought after. Mm. So, he, everybody was like, how the how the hell is she doing that? And like, I'm not trying to glorify this in any way because the sex industry is not anything that I would wish on my worst enemy. Right. But you know, it was to that point where I was making money and they were like, well, you know, that's crazy. And then, I don't know, it was a year, it was two years that I spent in there, like, doing that. But I never really, like, saw it as what it was because of what he was telling me and what the people around me were telling me. I was, like, romanticizing the entire thing. I was like, oh, my God, I'm making money. Oh, my God, I can do this. Oh, my God, I can do that. Mind you, the whole time, he's beating the crap out of me. Like, mm. beating the crap out of me. I'm depressed. I'm, like, I'm like in denial about the entire situation. Mm-hmm. And I ended up becoming, like, best friends with his best friend's, like, working girl, whatever. So me and her became best friends because it would always be the four of us traveling around. So it would be him, his homeboy, and then me and her. And then because, you know, we were working, they'd be, like, we'd have an Airbnb. They'd be on, like, the top floor of the Airbnb. We'd be downstairs freaking doing dates or whatever the heck. So me and her became really good friends because I like to drink, she liked to drink. And then we started popping, like, Roxy's and pills and stuff and whatever. So we became really cool. And, you know, I trusted her a lot. And, you know, I would I would peep weird things because they always tell you, oh, you're not supposed to mess with your homeboy's girl. Like, you're not supposed, pimps don't, pimps don't buy, they sell. They don't sleep with other girls. They don't pay other girls to sleep with them and all this other stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. So then I started peeping stuff weird about them. Like, I realized they were a little too friendly. And I was like, 
I was like, yo, y'all, y'all mess around. And they was like, oh, no, I would never. Like, ew, like, I would never do that. Like, you don't do that. You don't mess with your homeboys, girls. And I was like, all right, cool. So for a year, I was like, whatever. He had other girls. He would get other girls, and they would be white girls, and he would treat me like crap. And then the girl would come in, he would treat her like special. He would make fun of me. Like, he would talk down on me in front of them. Like, he would basically, like, I was, I don't even know what to call it. I guess what you call that narcissism is their scapegoat. Like, but he would talk crap about me around all these people. So I got to, it got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm not doing this anymore. So I had, I had run away from him um, a couple of times, but he ended up like coming back to get me or like finding me or just like hitting me up. And then I got to the point where like, I didn't know what I was doing. And then I felt crazy, like trying to do it on my own without him. So every time that I tried to leave, I ended up going back to him. And then it got to a point where I was like, all right, I can't, I really like can't do this because one, he wouldn't like, he wouldn't sleep with me. And as like him being my pimp, like, oh, that's, that's what a girl wants, you know, from their pimp. It's like, you're supposed to be my protector. You're supposed to be my, like my dude, like aside from you, me giving you my money, you're supposed to basically be my man type stuff. So he wouldn't do it. And you would give him all your money? Yeah. He wouldn't do that with me, but then whenever we got a new girl, he would sleep with them, and he would, like, do all this other stuff, so I felt left out, and I was like, yo, what the hell? And then it got to a point where I was, when I was on the Roxy's really bad, in a way, it was a good thing, because I was so, like, I don't know, I was so out of, out of it, like, but I wasn't out of it, I was realizing I low-key feel like like God opened my eyes when I was on on the Roxy's because I started seeing how he was manipulating me Mm. and I started peeping certain things and I'm like I had been really sick I went to Los Angeles to go see my brother and because I didn't have a plug out there I started getting sick off of not having pills so I was like all right I came back to uh we were in Nashville at the time I went back to Nashville and I went to go stay with homegirl in her hotel room because I didn't want to spend money to get a hotel room because I got there late. So I was like, I'm going to just spend the night with her until tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So my phone had like messed up. I don't know why. Like my screen was messing up. So I asked her, I was like, let me use your phone so I could try to, you know, make some money real quick. Something told me to go through her text messages because she had it deleted. It was like her old phone. And when I went through the messages, I saw that they were messaging talking about, oh, so you want to fuck? You want to come to the room? Like, oh, you trying to do this now real quick before she comes back? Oh, wow. What? The entire, like, what? Yeah. I was like, are you serious? So then I took the phone. I threw it at her. I was like, are you dead ass? Like, are you serious right now? And she was like, she like looked at me like with wide eyes because they knew how my temper was. And I was a very angry, like, angry person. And he had made me, like, fight somebody before. So I guess she was afraid because she thought I was going to, like, beat her up or whatever the case was. And I was, like, I wasn't even, like, I was thinking about that. But at the same time, I wasn't. And I called him. And I was, like, oh, so you've been, you've been messing with her this whole time. And he was, like, he stood quiet for a second, I guess, to think about his answer. He was, like, it was only a couple times it happened before you. I was, like, oh, so y'all been doing this. Wow. And he was, like, uh-uh, no, no, no. I'm, like, that's not that. Like, he tried to take back what he said. And I'm, like, bro, man, I know. Now, now I see. So... I told him I was going to leave, and he was like, oh, if you leave, like, he had threatened me before, but he was like, oh, if you leave me, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill your son, I'm going to kill your grandma, because he knew, he knew where they stayed, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, all this stuff, and I was like, I can't even leave, like, damn, so, back in 
in 2019, that March of like before we left on the road, whatever, I got a DUI and I never handled it. So by the grace of God, I had a warrant. So I like ran away from him thinking that they were going to give me at least like a year in jail. So I'm like, okay, that'll give them time to forget about me. Like whatever. They literally gave me two months in jail, two months. And I was like, what am I going to do? This was, I got out January of last year. I got out of jail. Mm-hmm. And when I got out of jail, I went to go stay with a family member. And my family member was like, well, like, you need to get a job. You need to do this. You need to do that. So I felt pressure. And I was like, man, how, how am I going from making that much money at night to not having no money? And I got to pay all these bills. Like, I have to pay all these fines, all this stuff. I have no money. So I ended up, like, calling him back mm-hmm. and playing, playing his game. I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I know I messed up. I was on some fag stuff. Like, because that's the term that they use for a girl I guess that's like like in love with their pimp because apparently that's like something that you're not supposed to do you're not supposed to have feelings for your pimp your pimp is your pimp you're not in a relationship like you understand that there's other girls involved okay I never accepted that because I was like I really don't care if there's other girls involved like I that's not I'm not like we're not doing this you're not gonna treat me like that you don't talk to me like that but I was like so like obsessed with him Mm -hmm. so I was like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be on no fat stuff. Like, I just wanted to make money. Like, I'm going to behave. I'm going to be good. Like, just feeding him, like, whatever. And I was like, I just need to come make money, whatever, and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, but what about probation? I'm like, I don't have to go there. Like, everything was online. I didn't have to physically be there so I could be out of state. So as soon as I, like, told him that, like, that next day I was on a flight to Nashville. Wow. And, yeah, for those, those six months I was on probation. So I couldn't drink. I couldn't smoke. I couldn't pop bell- pills or anything like that. So I ended up rebuilding my relationship with God in the most unconventional way. Like, it was so crazy because when I was in that, like, state of mind, like, I was having anxiety attacks. Like, I was constantly feeling like I was doing something wrong, but I didn't know that. And I didn't know what I was doing. I, didn't, I had, like, no, like, actual idea of what it was that I was supposed to be doing. So, I just every time I had anxiety, I literally just go on YouTube and like search a sermon, and I'm like, okay, cool. So then, stuff started getting weird because it was like I would pray about stuff or basically like ask questions. I guess pray and ask questions to God, like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Mm-hmm. And every single time I prayed and I asked a question, I got an answer. And there was times where I was like, all right, so, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, should I leave? Should I stay? Like, I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to leave because I'm afraid of what's going to happen. But at the same time, I know this is not good for me. And then I started, like, feeling, I guess, not con- condemnation, but conviction for the things that I was doing. And then it got to a point where I couldn't even do it anymore. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't sleep with a client. I couldn't make money off of it. I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm disgusted by this. Now, every time I sleep with somebody, I feel like I'm being raped. So yeah. you mentioned that um, you escape your ex one day. He goes to the bathroom and you leave. Is that what happens with this guy? Yeah. So we were, he was in Florida and I was in Nashville. And I went down to Florida because around this time I had told them like, well, during this, like, so the end of, like, I want to say like four months between probably February to June up until I left him. 
I was on auto, which is basically like I'm in a different state working by myself if he's nowhere near me because I, I couldn't physically be around him because every time I was around him, I felt like I was being drained. Mm. So I went, I went from Nashville to Florida and I was like, okay, where are they going to try to fix this? And because I had been praying for him, like I was like, I'll just like fix him. Like I don't. I didn't want to leave because I had never been so attached to somebody. Like, it was insane, like, the level of, like, like control I feel like he had over me. So I was like, God, just fix him. And I'm like, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And the next thing I know, I heard leave or stay the same. Like, I verbally heard leave or stay the same. And I'm like, wow, what? So <laughs> funny thing, we're in Orlando. My son's dad is there so i called him i'm like yo i'm trying to leave this dude like i'm afraid for my life like i don't know what to do so he called me an uber and paid for my hotel for three nights and then but my baby daddy wasn't trying to help me he was really just trying to sleep with me like he was like oh so what's up like, i was like all right cool so i can't do this yeah so i ended up going back to nashville because i was like i need to spend some money just so i can you know get a place do something to like, I don't know, because I, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to go to the shelter. Like, I'm, I've never been in a shelter before. I didn't want to, like, I didn't know what to do. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to go to Nashville, try to make some money. But then I went up there. I couldn't do anything. Like, I was literally stuck. And when I was up there, I was staying at a hotel that me and dude usually stayed at. So I guess when he parked at the hotel, my phone, my Bluetooth automatically connected to his car. So he knew I was there. So I hadn't had any money or anything. So I had been charging my, my hotel room to his credit card. And that day I had, I probably had like, I think I had like a thousand dollars because I had money that I wasn't trying to spend because I was trying to save it and I wasn't doing anything, whatever. So I was like, damn, he messaged me. He was like, oh, you're at the hotel. I'm like, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to meet you outside. So I went and gave him $500 so just to like keep the peace because I didn't want to fight with him because I already knew it was going to be some drama. So he stayed at the hotel for like a couple days after that. And just one night I was like, I need to get away from this hotel because my anxiety is bad. I was like, he's going to try something. He's going to beat me. Like he's going to do something. I don't know what, but I like I went and drove a little scooter around the city and I came across this homeless man and something told me like go talk to him like I just drove past him something told me oh go talk to him whatever so I went back and talked to him and I tried to give him fifty dollars and he was like he was like oh no he's like I don't want to take it and I'm like I was like please take it and I was like why are you sitting out here because he had been sitting like on the ledge outside of a homeless house I'm like why are you sitting out here why are you not in there he's like oh because I need clothes and stuff I don't have anything and in my head it didn't make sense to me because I'm like if it's a homeless shelter wouldn't they supply you with that but. He was just like, whatever, talking to me. He started crying, and I was like, okay. I was like, I was like, stay right here. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here. I'll be right back. So I went back to the hotel on the little scooter, and I told this dude out because I was like, I know he had extra clothes from traveling and stuff. I'm like, give me any of the clothes that you don't wear. I just met this homeless man, and he told me his name was Hosea. And this, I had just bought my Bible. This was around, I bought my Bible June 22nd. So this was like the day after I bought my Bible. And I was like, when he told me his name, I was like, oh, Hosea, like in the Bible? So I was like, I was super hyped because I was like, for some reason, I just felt like I'm super energetic. So I was like, okay. I took these clothes from, this, from him. I went back to the man and I gave him the clothes and stuff. And we talked briefly. And then I was just like, you know, God bless you. And I went on my way.
And when I went back to the hotel, I opened the Bible to the book of Isaiah and I read what it was about. And it was about a prostitute who kept turning away from God and kept going back to the streets and living her own life. And that no matter what, that God still loved her. And I was like, bomb. I was like, oh my God. I have chills. I was like, oh my God. Like, I knew God was real, but he told me he came to say, yeah, I went and read the Bible. I was like crying. And after that, my hotel, I didn't. I didn't have money after that. I paid, no. I went on this, like, app or whatever, because when you stay at a hotel, you know, they have, like, rewards programs and stuff where you get points. I didn't have anything. Like, I had zero points. I had zero dollars. I didn't know what I was going to do. I went on the app, and I saw that there was literally enough points to pay for three days left at the hotel. And I was like, yo, what? Wow. I was like, I knew that was a miracle because I'm like, first of all, three days. That's already a time. But, like, the fact that I had no points, no way to pay for this hotel, no idea what I was going to do. Like, nothing at all. And then I saw that. So I paid for my hotel room for three days because the dude had left. So he left me alone. He had actually brought another girl with him so he wasn't worried about me. Because he was like, oh, now you're going to mess up my chances of working with this girl because you're crazy and all this other stuff. I was like, thank you, God. Like, thank oh, you, wow. God. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. Thank Good you, God. Riddance. So that was the last time I saw him. Thank God. And yeah, after that, I, I stayed wow. at the hotel for three days. Like, God has done so much. Like, he has shown me so so much between that and now and my actual like one year anniversary of like rededicating my life to God coming up June 22nd but wow look at that after so much darkness so you much. finally see the light literally <sighs> Lauren thank you so so much for taking the time to chat with me today for sharing your story with us you are so brave and you have such a beautiful energy and it's so wild to me like listening to your story I don't have much in common as far as your story, but as far mm-hmm. as where we come from mm-hmm. and all of that, like it's so similar. I'm a random page on Instagram. I feel like this interview was meant to be. So I just really appreciate you. Um, and I just wish you the best of luck with getting your son back. And I pray for your sobriety and for your deep, deep healing as well, Lauren. Thank you so much. Now, before we go, where can we follow you on social media? Give yourself a little shameless plug what are you doing with yourself project what are you doing um my instagram sex industry who are looking for a way out or who need some guidance or just need somebody to talk to because i know how difficult it is and i wish that when i was in that lifestyle that i had someone to tell me the truth and not someone who was just like oh you know the game is what it is like no i'm i'm gonna tell you the, the truth it might not be comfortable, but for any anybody who's listening who has been in that situation or has been in a toxic relationship or anything of the sort and just want somebody to talk to or listen to or just a sister in Christ, because that's really what I would be. And you can follow me. You can message me. And yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. Your story is so powerful. And there's a reason why I felt so inclined to message you. And this is it. Like somebody's gonna listen to it and it's gonna change them i have a feeling so thank you so so much lauren i really really appreciate you the audio cut off somewhere towards the end and i was worried i was gonna it was gonna disconnect the line so i felt the need i had to rush this but lauren's ig handle is leaves of lauren and that's l-e-a-v-e-s of lauren and her tiktok is at garden of edification or beautification not sure um, but also a little update on Lauren. Um, like I said, I was afraid that we were going to get cut off. So I kind of had to rush off at the end and I didn't even ask her like, what's up with you now, girl? 
so I she sent me a message and she wanted to let us know that she is currently living she's back in New York currently because she felt like God told her that this is where she was going to meet her husband and she is currently living in a homeless shelter trying to get all of her affairs in order and in July she is going to pursue she's going to start pursuing her bachelor's um, degree in pastoral ministry and leadership and she's currently awaiting a court hearing to get her son back and I wish her the best of luck with all of that Lauren also wrote a book titled diary of a 304 so check her out on her socials and yeah thank you guys so much for listening like I said I know this is a really long one so if you're still here thank you thank you thank you please Comment, rate, subscribe, and send all of your anonymous Dear Michelle subscriptions to LFSMPodcast at gmail.com and follow the pod on IG at LFSMPodcast. That's it. Yeah. Talk later. <laughs> Bye.